0: Welcome to Encore Nutrition, two peas in a podcast. A show that simplifies the overwhelming world of health and nutrition with evidence-based
1: science. We're Elise and Lauren, your accredited practicing dietitians, empowering you with the knowledge and strategies to make real change today.
2: And I'm Drew, here to make sure all your important questions are answered.
1: This week, we'll be jumping off the celery juice bandwagon... And finding out the things to eat when you've got a pesky cold. We'll give you one simple food swap that can improve your longevity
0: and your bank account, and whether going organic is worth the coin.
1: Let's
2: get into the news all about celery juicing and its health benefits.
1: What's up today? Drinking celery juice. It's the latest health trend on Instagram and other social media sites. I've got to say, you know, I'm a big fan of it. I've been doing it. So today we wanted to ask an expert what she thinks of the craze.
2: Celery by itself is so medicinal. It's literally the undiscovered medicine of our age. What it does for the body, how it works is really just profound.
1: Celery juice is cleaning up the mess inside your body. And that's one of the things it does. Hey
0: everyone. So I am Beyond excited for today's video. As you can see from the title, we are talking all things celery juice. And wow, I have never seen such a craze about a juice ever in my life.
2: So if I do want to be healthier, mm. should I drink celery juice?
0: So we, we've we got a lot of, uh, we've got a bit to say about it, yeah. the fact that mm. he has you have to juice it. Mm. So a lot of the benefit of celery comes from the fiber and the phytonutrients that are in the the really um, the fibrous. coarse fibrous yeah, stuff right, right, in the right. celery. And by juicing it, you actually don't get to absorb or um, swallow yeah. that fibre. Take yeah. in the fibre. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, you, you're cutting
1: out a lot of the benefits that yeah. come from that celery. But if you were to add it to a Nutribullet and actually drink, blend, you know, it. blend it and drink blend it, a lot of the fibre, right? exactly. exactly.
2: That's a big thing in, in diet, isn't it? Totally. Blending rather than yeah. juicing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But let's be honest I mean, I've tried it. Celery juice isn't that appealing. I'm here to go. (laughs) I mean, I've I've tried it for the pure fact that there's so many people out there that actually drink it on a daily basis. Mm. And what I also heard um, on the news and saw in the supermarkets was that the price of celery had increased exponentially just because of this theory um, on celery juice because celery was just selling out of the supermarkets. Celery farmers are loving it. Yeah. Mm. Maybe Yeah.
2: Maybe it's big celery. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Who's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> perhaps, Anthony behind him. The thing yeah. with the the guy who's come up with all of this is his um, his website is really interesting because he's got a, a whole bunch of health claims associated with the fact that juicing salary will cure disease,
1: but then he's got this entire page related to his disclaimers. Do you want to hear it? I've actually got it it right here because it's actually pretty funny. So, Anthony Williams, the medical medium, is not a licensed doctor, chiropractor, osteopathic physician, naturopathic doctor, nutritionist, pharmacist, psychologist, psychotherapist, or other formally licensed health professional, practitioner, or provider of any kind. Anthony Williams, the medical medium, does not render... Medical, psychological, or other professional advice or treatment, nor does it nor does it provide or prescribe any medical diagnosis, treatment, medication, or remedy. So he's actually saying that he has no qualifications or rights to be making claims. Therefore, he takes no responsibility for anything that happens to anyone. And also that he's not even making
0: claims. He's saying, "I'm not um, suggesting that I can remedy anything." Yet, if you go back to the you know page one on his website, mm-hmm. he. Seems to be doing just that.
1: Yeah.
2: So talk to me about what makes salary uh, bad for you if you have it in any quantity. When yeah. shouldn't you be juicing?
1: So you shouldn't be juicing uh, for people that have... Uh, kidney problems or renal failure. So, celery is a really excellent source of uh, potassium, which um, normally is really healthy for people. However, if you do have any sort of renal failure or um, kidney insufficiency, that is very difficult for you to actually process the potassium. Um, And if that accumulates uh, in your body in, in high volumes, it can be potentially dangerous. Also for people who have FODMAP intolerances, um, celery is particularly high in a particular FODMAP called mannitol. And again, if you're having it in those really high quantities and concentrations, it can give you gastrointestinal um, upsets. So gas, bloating, um, diarrhoea, all those sort of delightful things. Mm.
2: Right. So I guess the idea is that there are, def- as with many things, there are yeah. extreme cases where having a high concentration of something will cause health Problems, yeah, and we're really wary of those things. Yeah, so whereas, you, do, yeah, yeah. you should yeah. always be checking in with your physician if exactly. you do have any health complications. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah.
0: and yeah. essentially with anything,
1: you can have too much of a good thing.
2: Yes, yep. you have too much water; you can die from over overhydration. Yeah. Hydration. Yeah. And again,
1: that's why it's really important to make sure that you're seeing a trained medical practitioner, not someone that necessarily just speaks to yeah. spirits, because the <laughs> spirits might not know about the <laughs> other comorbidities <laughs> that you have.
2: Right. And, and what I like about it is, it's okay to. To find out, but you need to test it. That's probably yeah. the thing. Here. So you yeah. should be listening, you should be taking as much as you can, but then not just taking it as, as fact, testing it, having conversations about it.
0: Yeah, and, yep. and test and see how it feels in your body. Mm. If you drink gallons of it and you're bloaty and windy and have a horrible day in the bathroom, mm. it's probably not good. Don't do it again tomorrow.
2: Mm. As uh, informed dietitians, when what would you include celery as as part of a good, healthy diet? Is it, is it worth consuming? Yeah. Is it, what, what, yeah, how exactly. should we consume it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Look, yeah. if
0: you're making a smoothie in the morning, put it in there. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. really a um, reasonably bland vegetable, so it doesn't add too much mm-hmm. in the way of, fi- of colour mm-hmm. or flavour. Put it in your soup. Yeah. Grate it up.
1: Put in some coleslaw. Yeah. Have it with some hummus or tahini or something like Peanut that. Peanut butter, our yeah. fave.
0: It's a good yeah.
2: bulking thing there, right? Yeah, so absolutely. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, and there's yeah. Not, there's not it's very health-promoting
0: in many ways, but to juice it and have it in uh, large quantities – on a regular basis if you've got other issues, um. Not no. possible.
1: Mm. Yeah. And I had a patient of mine actually <clears throat> say to me, This was a couple of months back because she had jumped on the celery juice bandwagon and she was saying that it took her like half an hour to sit there and juice all of the celery. (laughs) Now, I mean, I don't have an extra half an hour in the Mm. mornings. I don't know about you, Loz. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it it actually caused her quite a bit of stress because she would be concerned if she hadn't had her celery juice for the morning because she felt or she believed um, because of these claims that it was going to actually heal her gut. So it actually caused her more stress this whole claim um, of having to have it every day than... Um, she probably
0: even fueled her gut issues from the stress and anxiety. Absolutely. More so
1: than any benefit absolutely. from the celery itself. And celery is more than 95% water. So, I mean, for me, water tastes a whole lot better than celery juice. <laughs> I don't know about you guys.
2: And wasn't that the original claim that celery was a negative food? Mm. It, was, it used more energy to digest than you put into your body. So it was a good kind of hunger staver offerer.
0: Yeah, so the theory is that you burn more calories in breaking Mm -hmm. it down than you do in actually eating it. Is that true? It's hard to say everyone's very different. Everyone's got a different kind of thermic effect of food. Right. Don't need to go bore you with the science, but Mm -hmm. um, it's – Maybe. reasonably true it's very low calorie food very
2: low calorie food yeah, okay yeah. so if you're looking for a low calorie substitute snack just to get you through to get your mouth moving mm. go for it bit of
1: crunch good fiber yeah th- but if you enjoy it um go for don't, it don't, certainly don't it. be yeah. um going nuts on the celery just because it's low calorie and you don't actually enjoy it mm. um you know find foods that you enjoy that make you feel good mm. rather than um just focusing on the caloric more um, nutrient or content. Nu- exactly.
2: The biggest takeaway for me is juicing versus blending. Yeah. That's the big thing. You've got to blend, you can't be juicing.
0: Yeah. yeah. And yeah. even more than that, if you cannot blend it, don't blend it. Have it as it is because it takes more work for your body to break Get it down. It down. Mm. Yeah. Which yeah. we've got to make our bodies work for our food too.
1: Yeah.
2: All right. Don't believe the high people. Salary is, uh, or celery. How do you say it, Pip? Celery, celery. Celery. Celery, yeah. <laughs> Celery is a good for you but not worth uh, juicing for half an hour <coughs> to get the um, health benefits out of it. Very good. Yeah. Awesome.
0: Nice. Next up, upgrade your health. Yeah, so upgrade your health. We're going to give you one thing to swap this week that will make a difference with how your body functions and how you feel. And this week we are talking about swapping your rice. Not just necessarily swapping the type of rice you use, but maybe thinking about swapping it out altogether. So, I tend to think of rice, and I don't know about you, Elise, it's kind of a bit of a vehicle. Mm. So, itself provides energy and carbohydrates, few vitamins and minerals, nothing really profound. It's a bit bland, really I eat rice for the stuff that I put on top of it. Oh, absolutely. And the, yeah, sauces. Yeah, so the curry, curry or the stir fry or the sushi or whatever it is that's alongside it. So challenge uh, for this week is to think about if you could swap it out. The, the reason being that there's heaps of other whole grains that are available that provide you with much more health and nutritional benefits. So if you were to swap out your rice for... Quinoa or barley or frika or bulgur or spelt or some other grain, you're going to get more fiber, more protein, more vitamins and minerals, better for your gut, kind of but no-brainer, lots lots big win.
2: Okay. Uh, I have been doing this of late. Mm. I swap it out for um, food processed cauliflower.
0: Cauliflower rice?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Same consistency, mm. similar taste, but better for you, right?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, better for you in, in some ways. So, it's, uh, cauliflower is lower in kilojoules or energy, mm-hmm. higher in vitamins and minerals. And like you said, it looks the same, kind of same consistency. Yeah, it tastes a bit different, but really, are you eating the rice
1: for the rice or for what's with it? It's
2: a vehicle for sauce. Yeah. yeah I'm with you.
1: So, I like to make a cauliflower rice dish. For the cauliflower, Mm. Um, so I like to add leek, uh, mushrooms, kale, even season it with some turmeric. So it's actually, for me, I I consider that as a vegetable dish. Mm. If you are um, wanting to replace rice with something else, as Lauren said, having some of those whole grains are far better. I don't actually personally think cauliflower rice and rice are the same.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Personally. And and Mm. sometimes, you know, go half-half. Yeah. Mm.
2: If you were to swap rice for one thing, what would be your one thing you'd swap it for?
1: Personally, mm. I quite like barley. I was going to say like barley, barley too. I really like it's barley. It's so easy to work with mm. as well. Yeah. And I love that the, the, t- the flavor mm-hmm. and the texture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's cheap. Yeah.
0: Cheap and easy. What does that say about
2: me? Barley's kind of gone out of vogue, hasn't it? Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: It seems really old fashioned, but there's so much, so yeah. many health benefits for it. Everyone's into quinoa, quinoa and is all the, the new ancient grains, food.
1: but mm. I don't know. Barley's an ancient yeah. grain too. And I love, particularly in winter, a nice vegetable and barley soup. Ooh, Delicious. Nice.
2: Okay. And if you just love rice, you're like, you know what? Mm. I just love it. I've got a rice cooker. I've, I've got sunk cost here. I've invested in this.
0: <laughs> I've got something to, to say it. about that. Go. So, two things. Firstly, if you just love rice, please, by all means, don't feel bad about eating rice. It's not a negative food. Good. Enjoy it. Yeah. Basmati rice is a really good option in that it's lower GI, so it changes the way our body uh, reacts to that carbohydrate load. Mm-hmm. Um, brown rice has got its benefits in that it's higher in fiber. Wild rice is a similar story, um, but... If you've got a rice cooker and you're considering that a sunk cost, think again, my friend. Okay. Because I cook all of my grains in the rice cooker.
1: Uh, well, Barley, played.
0: quinoa, okay. everything. It's so easy. You just got to um, play around with the ratio of
1: water. Water. Right. Do you know what I do? I'm pretty lazy. Go. I use those packets and put them in the microwave. No idea. Oh, go for it. <laughs> it's just if that, if I don't appeal. have a ri- I don't have a rice cooker. You've your, been at work yeah. till seven. I've then been I've gone to the yeah. gym. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know exactly. What? I've got use work your to micro do. Rice. I'm just using the microwave.
2: If that's your Kimo. biggest confession today, we're, we should be okay, yeah, I think. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're all still friends. So, rice Thanks, is okay, but there are some really good alternatives that won't change the meal itself. Yeah, so expand your horizons. Sometimes mm-hmm. I find when you upgrade or you do a replacement of a, an ingredient, it will often intrinsically change what you're eating. Mm. But there's some really good options there like that.
1: Yeah. Or go half half. Half and half. And also, you know, there's a lot of evidence to say that a diet that's, um, you know, a very v- varied diet is far better for our gut bacteria. So, as Loz said, uh, go half-half, mix it up, eat different things. Um, that varied diet is is has been shown to be really beneficial for our health.
2: Barley seems to be the one. It's as expensive as rice, easier to work with than rice, mm. and tastes great. There you go. Fantastic. Okay, I like it. Any thoughts about next week's Upgrade Your Health?
0: Well, if you've got any questions, chuck Mm. them our way. Um, But we've got plenty more stockpiled.
2: Stockpile stockpile of great moments. Okay, look forward to it.
0: Don't go away. We'll be right back to talk about old wives' tales. Are they really true? So I'm going to take you back to 1954 when somebody clever decided that they would come up with the saying, starve a fever, feed a cold. Have you guys heard of that one before?
2: Somewhat, in some way or form,
0: yeah. Yeah. explain. (laughs) So, the theory is that if you've got a fever, you should starve yourself or fast um, with the idea that when we eat food, our body uses a lot of energy to process and digest that food and by digesting food, you're actually taking away resources from fighting the infection that you've got. So, the theory is that if you don't eat, there's more resources towards healing yourself Mm. Hmm. And there's another layer to it in that um, if you are eating food similar to when we we're talking about celery, um, you actually utilize energy to break down food. It's called the thermic effect of food and that those functions actually release heat. And in releasing heat, there's a theory that you're going to elevate your body temperature. And if you've already got an infection and a fever, you're going to raise your body temperature further.
1: To making the fever worse?
0: Yeah, yeah, mm. that that's the theory. Yeah.
2: So, you now, theory. I mean, I love theories because they all sound <laughs> plausible in theory. Yeah. Learned, so, what's the reality of that?
0: Yeah, so the science has debunked it and a lot of medical professionals have since come out and said, really, what we should be doing is feed a fever, feed a cold. Right. So the act of fasting when we've got an infection brewing in our body can actually be quite detrimental. And that's because... In order for our bodies to fight an infection, we need to utilize a lot of energy. Mm. We put a lot of resources towards building immune factors and uh, essentially ridding our body of whatever is causing infection that we need, if anything, more energy and more nutrients than usual. And yeah, we know that there's heaps of vitamins and minerals that are really important for uh, our immune factors to function properly.
2: Okay, so whenever I get sick, my GP just says stay hydrated, rest, mm-hmm. rest as much as you can, stay hydrated, and um, that's that's all. That's all I get.
1: Have vitamin Have, C. Yeah, sometimes,
2: that. but yeah, more. It's more like get hydro, uh, like.
0: Electrolytes, Electrolytes, yeah, yeah. system, right. Yeah, and that's that's linked to the fever aspect. So, if you're feverish and you're losing water uh, water through sweating and through… Diarrhea. Yeah, Yeah, excretion of of extra water, you need to be better hydrated. Right. So, yeah, the really beneficial advice is certainly keep hydrated, rest, listen to your body. So, if you're hungry, eat. If you're not hungry, don't feel like you need to force yourself to eat.
2: And what should I be eating? What's going to help me beat that cold and that fever?
0: Yeah, and that that really depends on what you feel like. But a good example of something, particularly if you've got a cold or a virus, um, you know, the the good old-fashioned chicken soup has Mm. a lot of merit Mm -hmm. in in that there's protein in the chicken. We need protein for what's called immunoglobulins that are immune factors. It's got lots of veggies in it, so antioxidants,
1: phytonutrients, it also makes C. you feel good. I don't know. When I'm sick, I always feel much better once I've had a bowl of chicken soup.
2: Is that a listen to your body thing though? Like, yeah. Yeah, this makes me feel better. Therefore, it must be me. Make me. me
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. The other thing is that it's fluid and uh, nutrients uh, all in one the same go. Time, so right, right. you're getting that hydration that you mentioned. Sort of two birds with one stone. Mm-hmm. And the other thing about chicken soup that can be helpful to some people is the fact that it's a hot fluid. Right. And the heat of the liquid, particularly if you. Breathe it in, you inhale it, it can loosen some mucus secretions. So if you're really phlegmy, mm. something hot can actually relieve the congestion. Yeah.
2: Which is why you, uh, my mum always makes me steam. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Put the towel over yeah. your head with a bowl of water and yeah. Because
1: yeah. Yeah. the yeah, steam so will help a- to break down those secretions mm. just as the chicken soup would. Put it oh. in a food form.
2: Okay.
0: It- not to say you have to eat chicken soup. No. And it's certainly not the only thing, but it's a, you know, there's marriage in that Um Kind of that part yep. of the wives' tale.
2: So, so not all old wives' tales are wrong. So, definitely eat and then chicken soup and rest and lie down and yeah. uh, water. Yeah. listen <laughs> to your body. Healthy. So,
0: right. rest when you
1: need to, eat yep. when you need to, but certainly keep hydrated.
2: Okay, great. And one
1: thing I find mm. really interesting, guys, mm. sorry, is that, no. you know, fasting has become a really hot topic, mm. you know, in more recent years. Mm. But actually, if we're looking back um, at some of the old wives' tales, I mean- these uh, fasting remedies were being recommended since 1954. Mm. Um, so maybe we're just reusing new methods and theories. Mm.
2: I think the best advice is type in the thing and then put debunked after it just <laughs> see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. A uh, great advice. I can't wait for next week's uh, old wife's tale because I love these things because some of these, it's usually not all wrong. There's a bit of merit in some of it. In the yeah. Way and we just learn exciting. as we go. That's yeah. the best
0: thing about science is we're not trying to necessarily prove ourselves right. We're just trying to recognize any flaws that there are and progress, put get better, at, get yeah. better at knowing mm-hmm.
1: more. Amazing. And one thing, again, with the common cold, um, another, it's probably a different old wives' tale, but um, having vitamin C, mm. yeah, you guys heard of that before? I've heard of
2: that, yeah, vitamin C.
1: Yeah, so yeah. once, I mean, what the evidence actually says is that once you're actually sick, it's actually zinc um, that's more beneficial and can actually reduce really? uh, the time, the time, so the duration and the severity of the cold. But only if you take it at the very first sign. So, Uh, zinc, and I think
0: there's some new emerging evidence in olive leaf extract, has the same impact, but Mm. very first sign of a cold, Mm -hmm. it it has the potential to delay the or or, um, shorten the duration. Shorten the duration, yeah, and And lessen the severity. Yeah, 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 sure.
2: And uh, for those of us who are in Australia, it's cold and flu season at the moment. So that is good advice. For <laughs> topical. All of us. Yeah, yeah, very, very topical. All right. Next week, uh, we're going to be tackling another old wives' tale. If you do have an old wives' tale you want the girls to test, please send it in. Um, otherwise, we'll continue down the road. Very good, Thank you.
1: Thank you. Now, a question from our incredible community. Hi, Uncle Girls. My name is Amy and I'm from Melbourne. I have a question. What are the benefits of eating organic versus not organic? I think I know some of the answers, but I would love to know your professional advice. Thank you so much. I love your work.
2: So other than um, it being a lot cheaper not to eat (laughs) organic, (laughs) how do we tackle this one?
0: Aside from finances. Yes. Yeah, so uh, this is a long-standing question and because it's been a question for a long time, there's been heaps and heaps of research done, uh, not just into the nutritional content, bacteria levels, um, safety of organic versus non-organic, but also the long-term health implications of choosing either of those ways of eating. Um, so first up, looking at the, the basic science, so the nutritional content of Organic versus non-organic is reasonably similar. In some cases, organic produce is slightly higher in certain vitamins and minerals. As you would imagine, when it comes to um, the use of chemicals, there are higher chemical levels in non-organic produce because they've used herbicides and pesticides to help um, cultivate that produce. But in saying that, the levels of herbicides and pesticides and chemicals in non organic produce is very, it has been well studied to be very much well below the safe limits. So both are safe, it's a matter of preference as to whether or not you want to uh, reduce your chemical intake significantly. <coughs> What's really interesting is when you look at long term health, and it's very challenging to study one element of our food. Um, practices over a long period of time when we look at humans because what we found is that people who tend to eat organic produce also tend to be of a higher socioeconomic status so they've got um, more finances they're better educated they go and see their doctor they're health conscious they have health checks they have all their regular screens and so while there is In some cases, a slight association with increased risk, uh, increased health with organic produce, it's very difficult to align it directly with the choice of that food.
2: So, th- this is the big challenge with food science, isn't it? Mm. That it's largely, I'm going to try and say this word, hang with me here, Epidemiological, Epidemiology, <laughs> yeah. <Epidemiology. laughs> uh, which is essentially someone doing something and then documenting their experience through the thing, mm. observing yeah. themselves, or maybe in a very controlled way. Mm. And there's... That old adage that correlation does not mean causation. You took the, the words
1: thing. right out of my mouth. I was about to say that. <laughs> Were you going to yeah. say uh, epidemia? No, like I, no, no. I wasn't even going <laughs> to try you to know, say that.
2: Bad marmalade are my two hardest words I can't say. So, so, uh, so what I find interesting is, on a three minute at least, is the um, it's a safety issue. Because mm. I think people think uh, non-organic food is bad for you. Mm. It's not bad for you. It's just different is that what you're kind of saying there right only only
1: slightly really I mean as Lauren mentioned the nutritional composition is fairly similar the main difference being the way that it's been cultivated and the use of the herbicides and pesticides Mm -hmm. one thing we always recommend to our clients is to wash your fruit and veg really well the herbicides
2: Um, and pesticides off them right
1: exactly exactly
2: I'm going to ask you a question we didn't plan for. Hang mm. on. Uh, the dirty dozen. So, mm. when I looked at this, when I was a poor, poor mm. student, I couldn't afford to eat organic. Yeah. But I would prioritize the dirty dozen because these were the top 12 things that the pesticides and herbicides most impacted. So, yeah. things like blueberries, for example, that, that will be, they're put on the outside of the fruit. Things mm. without skin, you're not peeling away, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. And also things
0: like strawberries where there's little pips and things yeah. get stuck. Yeah. yeah. So... Look, that's a similar case scenario. So even the dirty dozen, the chemical levels are well within safe limits. What I think is really important to recognize is that if you've got a choice between eating heaps and heaps of fresh produce that's not organic versus just a little bit of fresh produce that's organic because of a financial um, constraint, have the heaps and heaps and heaps of fresh produce. Because the
1: benefits of having, you know, a diet that's really rich in fruits and vegetables mm. far outweighs the risk mm. of those herbicides and pesticides in that small amount. Because corn
2: chips are cheaper than apples, right? <laughs> that's yeah. what we're trying to say here. <laughs>
1: yeah, and yeah, look, yeah. and
0: depends because, you know, when we were at uni, we did heaps of research in um, looking at a healthy food basket and how much it cost compared to how much it costs to go rock to Maccas and get a burger. Mm. And it's actually cheaper to eat well. But it takes planning and foresight and preparation, preparation, preparation. As well. yeah. knowledge. Yeah, and a and priority system. Yeah. Yeah. What, one, um, one interesting study I read about organic versus non organic, particularly link, linking to cancer risk, they did a huge study of about 60,000 women and found that those who ate organic versus non organic had no difference in breast cancer risk. So I know that cancer is one yeah, one area that people feel as though they need to prioritise organic produce, but the long-term studies are not supporting, supporting that. that. But thanks for the great question, Amy. Yes, yeah, thanks. thanks. And Amy. look, if you
2: do want to send the Two Peas in a Pod podcast a question, how would they do that? They would email us.
0: Yeah, yep. email us. Um, we'd love it if we could hear your actual voice. We yes. think it's so much more real and we can actually answer the question you have rather than the, the way we perceive it mm-hmm. so send us an audio clip mm-hmm. um, DM I
1: think you can do, via.
0: Yep. Can you do yeah DMs? or DM via yeah. Instagram um, or Facebook whatever you're however you're connected with us we'd love to hear from you
2: yes yeah, so you can do an audio message on Facebook right and you can send it through mm. via the chat yep great or via um, I was gonna say LinkedIn like a real nerd or like <laughs>
0: by all means <laughs> or, we're on there Instagram <laughs> slide into <laughs> I our I DMs know,
2: yeah, guys there you <laughs> go, there you go. And that's all we have time for this week. Thanks for listening in and we hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure you drop by and say hi on the Encore Nutrition website, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Just search Encore Nutrition. We absolutely want to hear from you and encourage everyone to join in on the conversation. Now, it's important to say that while Lauren and Elise are very knowledgeable on the world of diet and nutrition, we always encourage you to speak with your medical expert to assure that the advice is right for you. And we'll be back next week to break down all things food, diet, nutrition, and lifestyle from Elise and Lauren and me here just to make sure it all makes sense.